So I think this episode has revealed a critical flaw in my idea of talking about food um, <clears throat> when I realize I can't get any of these things. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. So with me today is Monica Ann Nelson of the Seattle Foodie Podcast. Thank you both for being here and welcome. Thanks for having us. Exciting to yeah. talk to you. Oh, no, and Monica, I'm really excited we're about today's you, conversation. <laughs> yeah, and Monica, we're just going to call you Brave Subwoofer. I'm sorry, right? I couldn't resist. <laughs> couldn't resist. Um, that we'll just keep that between us. So thanks both of you for, for jumping on here. And since we're kind of jumping into the food scene with our one episode a week on our podcast, I wanted to talk to people who've been blazing trails before us. So can you share with our audience how you guys got started and started working together and all of that? Oh, I love sure. Nelson telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> I've told him many, many times. Awesome. Basically, as Monica has mentioned, we met, through social media so we didn't meet each other you know at, it's kind of a unorthodox way right we just uh commented on each other's posts on instagram and started direct messaging people or dming and um met at this breakfast club which is now broken down it used to basically was trying to invite instagrammers to help promote a business and for me, that was like, I, I've never done it. I don't, I don't like these type of events. And I was like, okay, I think I'll come out of my shell. I'll just, uh, show up and see what this is. Met some wonderful friends there and I still, and are still great friends now. <clears throat> and one of them was Monica and we've had lunch together from time to time or gotten together with other groups. And so we talked and then I want to give away from Monica. And then one day, and while we were having coffee or something like that, I think, I think it was coffee. I told Monica, Hey, I think I want to do a food podcast. And Monica goes, sure. I was like, that's so funny because I wanted to do one too. And so at first, my, my first idea was, Oh my gosh, I need to, I need to put out a podcast and produce it now so I can wipe her out of the competition. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have two food podcasts. I want to have my own food podcast. And then she asked me as well, I was like, we should, do you want to do a test episode and do a pilot? And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. And knowing me, I've from experience working with in my career, I don't, like working with other people. So, so I talked to Monica. So I, I had it stew in my head for about a couple months and nothing happened as, as of course. And so then I finally said, okay, Monica, do you want to partner in with me and do this? And then, uh, that was probably the best thing for Monica. Oh. Monica just left us, Did but Monica we'll keep going us? and she'll okay. pop back. I, I finally just, bit the bullet and said, Hey, let's, let's partner up and see. And it was the best thing that happened to me for me in terms of getting the podcast going, because Monica, uh, wrote this whole list as, as the project manager that she is wrote this whole 
business plan and like, what are we going to do? What's the name? How are we going to brand it? Who are we interviewing? And I'm like, that's awesome. I thought I was just going to press record and just play and just (laughs) (laughs) record and put something out. But we had two months of planning before we actually put out our first episode. And if it wasn't for Monica, I probably wouldn't have gotten this podcast off the ground three years later or two and a half years later. And that's how we started. And now we're 128 episodes in. Mm. That's awesome. I'd like to ask a question. And with you two, I don't know how to ask this, but I think you just gave me my question. So you've done 128 episodes. Mm -hmm. You had a whole plan. Nelson, you were going to wing it. I respect respect that. Um, I also respect the planning. (laughs) What was an idea that you had about the podcast? You thought this is going to be great. And it just didn't work. Like, It hasn't been, I'll be shocked if you say it's been easy. It's been smooth. I'm going to guess that there's been some challenges. Is there one you'd be willing to share? I think one of the biggest, I mean, first of all, Nelson is our executive producer. And as he says, he couldn't have done this without me. I couldn't do it without him either. Um, So I I think what helps us working together is that really we are complementary in our skill sets. And so that's really what makes me work. And we're friends. Um, There's very few people that I could do this with. Because honestly, I'll be honest with you, I don't like a lot of people. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Same here. I can totally relate. (laughs) Right. So in terms of challenges, I think... I think it, strangely it has been pretty smooth and I know that sounds strange, but, but our goals for when we started out was to really connect with more people in the food community. And, and so, you know, there wasn't really a podcast out there like this, not saying that there's no food podcast in Seattle, but the way that we were doing it, this is an unproduced like professional show, like on Cairo or whatever. Like, you know, we just, we just do, we're real people. And, mm-hmm. and we, we were already social media influencers, which means that we already had a following prior to the podcast. And so that's a little bit different. But one of the biggest challenges for me is like someone can be a really great professional and be a really terrible interview. And that's really hard because sometimes Sometimes if you're working through a PR company, you might not necessarily know that about the person until you sit down to talk. And so that's really challenging, like trying to get someone to tell their story. Mm -hmm. That's true. I've experienced that as well. I think one of our challenges is we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of people that want to come onto our show and for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And then they try to jam it in and try to say, like, you need us on that show. I was like, we don't need anything from you. We don't don't need anything from you. We're we're good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, like, but you need my charisma. You need my I don't need anything. (laughs) So and and they they think their food is five star Michelin star type food. And it's like, well, where where's your business? Where's your pop ups? What, what are you even doing? It's like, oh, I cook it in my kitchen. Like, that's great. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad your husband or wife enjoys your food, but nobody else knows about it. So why should we put you on? Right. And I think that's one of the challenges is is having to say no to people and mm-hmm. explaining why. Yeah. Luckily, I'm really good at saying no. Yeah. Monica's the enforcer in our group. Right. <laughs> I'm all business. You're all business. Uh, Seattle's been impacted by the pandemic. Restaurants have been impacted by the pandemic. 
but there's still some cool opportunities all over too. So, I mean, it's two sides to that coin, right? What are you noticing happening in Seattle that has got you enthusiastic right now? Nelson, you want to start? Sure. I think the obvious answer, and we've, I've said this before is that there are a lot of entrepreneurs then that are doing pop-ups or certain events. Uh, my friend is just, it's my friend, uh, Gracie's, is doing Gracie's pies and she just doing pop-ups at different restaurants like, okay. uh, eight, not eight ounce burger. Girl. What's the, I'm bad with names. Oh shoot. Okay. Fico. 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 Thank you. So she's doing pies at Fico burgers out in central district and other places. I think she was at uh chop house row as well doing things like that. And then the, the thing about Seattle is that, they're pretty resilient and they just don't open up a restaurant <laughs> like immediately. It's very hard to open up a restaurant as Monica uh, can, can tell us about that. Cause she's a little bit more in tuned about that. So people will start smaller and do pop-ups and then pop-ups grow into maybe doing markets for on a, on a seasonal basis. And then finally either grow into doing a, having a um a restaurant or a brick business or doing a food truck or something like that or expanding from there. And so you get a lot of diversity and a lot of businesses that come out from there that are that are totally different. And also Seattle's so diverse, right? They're not just opening up a hot dog cart and it's the newest thing. There's there's a lot of if you can get past i call it my niece syndrome which my niece only eats like cheese pizzas and cheeseburgers with no pickles and just cheese and no lettuce and tomatoes that's you know so it's plain cheeseburger if you can get through that part and open up your palate to eat other things then there's so much food and so much choices that you can have in seattle mm-hmm. that's that's okay. what i how I describe it so Monica, can you can you reference back to where he uh, Nelson was saying that opening restaurants is challenging? Um, what's your what's your opinion of that? Well, um, <clears throat> it's been almost a year since we've been um, staying at home the way that we have been, and I think in the early days of the pandemic, um, there were a couple of places that really had to open, and people were just like, "Well, why are you opening? Like, we just went in lockdown." It's like, well, lockdown doesn't stop the lease payments. It doesn't stop the fact that you had to hire up workers. It doesn't stop the fact that there's demand for your food and there's some, there's some, you know, momentum with your marketing. And, and, and I think as Nelson was saying, a lot of businesses are resilient, but like opportunities are different. And I think one of the things that happened during the pandemic that hopefully will stick with us is the innovation of a lot of the folks out there um, doing really great things, but also some of the infrastructure. Because if you think back to a year ago, a lot of the small immigrant and refugee owned businesses didn't even have a way to order online or some of them, you know, 
didn't even take phone orders. And as they reopened, they lost a lot of their staff. It was literally like the person cooking in the back, also taking orders whose English might be a second language. So, so there's a lot that had to pivot. And, and luckily, you know, if you have family members who are younger and speak English, we saw a lot of those family members step in and help with social media marketing. So we saw a lot of um, businesses in Chinatown all of a sudden have um, Instagram pages, which was great. And we try to support um, sort of at the mid level, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I think it's safe to say that some larger restaurants in town have more of a feel into what government regulations are happening when they're happening, like, um, you know, before the governor gives a press conference. So some of them are able to pivot more easily because they made the decision to keep their workers employed and use them in the pivot. So some folks use their workers as delivery drivers, right? Um, and then, of course, we know the city changed a lot of their permitting. A lot of it's permitting in the city. So making um, outdoor permits easier to get and sort of expanding regulations and trying to fast track permits. So those are the type of uh, selling, selling alcohol to go. Those are the type of government regulations that maybe we'll see in the future. Um, but who knows? You know, I mean, things could go back to being normal. But as a result of all of this, we've seen, you know, as consumers, how different things can be. And um, like, you know, whoever thought you could, you know, go get takeouts from some of these fancier restaurants. I mean, you could you could never do that. Um, I can have a nice steak dinner at home and um, have it delivered. So um, really encouraged by the innovation, but still some have been impacted more than others and they won't be able to make it. Well, one of the things that you guys keep mentioning are, you know, pop-ups. And so once again, not living in Seattle anymore, and it's been 25 years since I lived in, in the city. Um, back then, 25 years ago, Seattle was kind of difficult to work with. I mean, the permit process was, was mm -hmm. challenging. How are these pop-ups, how are they getting, how are they doing those these days? I mean, that may, maybe seems very oversimplistic question, but how are these, how are these creative you know, entrepreneurial chefs, cooks, whatever you want to call them doing a pop-up? How are they navigating that scene? And then part two of that question is, how are they getting the word out so people find out about that? Or is it some mm. secret thing that you can't tell me? Because <laughs> that's how I feel like about it. It's like, oh, did you hear about that? I'm like, no, I didn't. And like, I'm, I'm left out. No, it's the power of social media. That's that you, you post it. First of all, if, if you're the, the business that's, that's hosting the pop-up the, or the restaurant or the, the business, they will, push it out amongst their followers and it could be 5,000 or 10,000 or a hundred thousand followers. doesn't matter. And then they will get wind of it. And then the business that's going to pop up also knows because if you really like the product and they only sell it for once a week, then people will mark their calendars to come out on that Saturday to buy that pie or buy that sandwich or whatever it is, because it's, they want it again. So is there, is this Instagram they're using? Don't tell me TikTok, please. Just don't tell me TikTok. But Any, Instagram, anything. is it Twitter? I mean, what's, all what are it. you guys seeing? Or is it just all of them? I mean. It's all of them. Some okay. pe some Because some businesses prefer using Facebook. Some people prefer using Instagram. And some people just want to use word of mouth. It's, it's, it's all types of media platforms and marketing platforms. So it's not like somebody's out there aggregating all these things and sharing. Well, maybe they are. Maybe, you know, maybe there is somebody out there that's, you know. Um, there are some there are some more 
formal communities. And I think, um, you know, pop-up is such a loose term. I I tend to be a little bit cautious about what I'm supporting in terms of pop-ups because I think some of these grow out of, you know, people's houses and such. And like some people don't even know like what kind of permits you need to have, um, why you need a commercial kitchen or a cottage kitchen, um, like why that's necessary. And and honestly, I don't think anybody's like government is paying attention to that right now because, you know, I haven't heard of people getting fined or cited because okay. it's just like it's it's just not a good time. It's just the wrong thing to do. Like people need to make a living. Right. I mean, it's, it's a really hard time with unemployment and the restaurant industry. Um but yeah, I mean, I think some people know the path through mentorship, definitely. Um, you know, for instance, uh, Jamil's Big Easy is popping up tonight at Local Tide. And Local Tide, um, those owners actually met Jamil like four years ago and he let them use their kitchen. So like they tell the story about how they know each other. So it's it's that sort of thing where, you know, you say, oh, I need kitchen space. And somebody says, I know so-and-so, you might be able to use their kitchen and, and get started that way. And th- so these commercial kitchens become hubs also for relationships and networking. You know, so there's another one in Tukwila where there's, you know, four people that rotate in and out of this kitchen and, you know, hey, I'm supposed to be here and I'm out of this. Can I use some of yours? Or can you fill in for me? Um, and, and so that's kind of how it goes on the like professional kitchen end um, in terms of people getting around. Okay. You mentioned there's a lot of synergy. You... Go ahead. Go ahead, Nelson. There's a lot of synergy behind all of it, in, in my opinion. Uh, not talk, just kind of changing the subject. Uh, instead of pop ups, there's food trucks, right? A lot of mm-hmm. food trucks will search for breweries. On, on the weekday, at either at nighttime or, you know, in, in the past it used to be uh, they would show up for lunches in office buildings because that's where all the people were at, all the workers right. were at, at office buildings. But then they had to pivot, so they decided, oh, you know where everybody is at now? They're in the neighborhoods. So they would go into suburban neighborhoods and do that. And then at nighttime, after they finished the lunch rush, they would then move on to breweries because breweries don't have – most most breweries just – just do their craft beers and mm-hmm. a lot of them don't don't have the overhead or the space to uh, provide food so what do they have they set up on a daily basis on the weekday different food trucks for them to arrive so you can have nacho mamas on monday and then you can have um, another food truck that comes in tuesday and then you can have sugar spoon dough on Wednesday for cookie dough or something like that. So it's always different and people can plan out their trips with that. Yeah, and so, so over here in, in, in Wenatchee, we've got a couple of food trucks, but not, you know, not like you just need more food trucks in that last sentence than we have in the entire town, you know, and it's like, hmm. uh, so kind of, and, but our brew pubs over here, they all have, almost all of them have kitchens mm-hmm. and, in all fairness, I wish they had food trucks. <laughs> but you mentioned cottage kitchen, and I'm not familiar with that term. What is the difference between, say, a cottage kitchen and a commercial kitchen, or is there? There is. I mean, a cottage kitchen is just a different kind of permit on a smaller scale than a commercial kitchen. And so it's really something like an individual person can get as opposed to like, you know, thinking about, you know, having five to 10 businesses rotate different times of the day. So it's just usually just a singular kitchen. Okay. Okay, cool. What, 
how do I want to say this? What, how let's, let's talk, let's talk food. Let's talk. What have you guys tried recently? That's been unexpectedly good. How about that? Something. Yeah. Unexpectedly. Like you went there and you thought, Oh, this might be good. But then you're like, wow, this was even better than I thought. You're both laughing. So hopefully there's a couple stories here. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not a restaurant, but the thing that just recently blew my mind in the last couple of weeks was um, chili garlic crisp. And so it's like chili oil, but it has crispy garlic in it. And um, I eat a lot of chili oil, you know, and I've tried many different kinds, you know, mild ones, hot ones, smoky ones. Um, this one blew my mind and I literally ate it like by spoonfuls out of the jar. It's very tragic and sad, but I did. And and it's just really delicious. And it goes with so many things. And, and, and so I had it only for about three or four days before I ate the whole jar is like this. <laughs> so I know it's, it sounds weird, but that's what was sort of shocking to me, given how many chili oils I've tried in my lifetime, that this one would sort of shake me a little. <laughs> and was that from somebody in the Seattle area? It is. It's from a company called Kari Kari, and um, they're based in Capitol Hill. And sort of during the pandemic, they started making it, and now some stores carry it. And there's some shipping going on, so they're doing they're doing the thing. All right. How about you, Nelson? What have you? Okay. Uh, For me, I uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. One of the there's two things that really stood out to me, and um. One of them was teriyaki. <laughs> okay. I love getting deals. Monica knows this. It's like I and I just wanted teriyaki one day. I think I was having beers in Kirkland with friends. And afterwards, it's like, I need to get dinner. I'm, I'm not going to be able to make dinner at home. And so lo and behold, I just opened up the Yelp app and just searched food. And then the first thing that came up was this thing called Teriyaki Plus. And got good reviews, and a lot of times I'll just I'll just see what's around the area, and I'll just try it out, and um, it just blew my mind. <laughs> so the spicy chicken teriyaki from Teriyaki Plus just it's just mounds of teriyaki chicken teriyaki. You never order the two combos; you order just one entree because then they skimp on the entree if you get. The teriyaki, the chicken teriyaki, and the, the spicy pork, and it's just like that's it. It's like they just give you for some reason they 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 don't give you as much. So you always order the first the one entree and um, pro eight, tip eight okay. for eight for two days, and that was that was probably wow. something that just surprised me for something that just, I just paid for what seven dollars or eight dollars that I wasn't expecting. I was just expecting just to get something really quick and fast. And that just kind of blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so before we recorded this, I was listening to some of your guys' episodes and I started at the very beginning and I went to your most recent stuff. So I don't know where this conversation, the two of you had, and I'm going to butcher it, but basically Monica, I think you were going to be willing to spend $20 on a croissant and Nelson, you, you of course were not. And so I, I do get, I do get a kick out of the two of you and your. um, your the way you, the different the way you guys approach things i think it's awesome because there's i'm kind of with you monica it's like if i want something and it's there i'm just going to get it yeah. on the other hand i'm not going to turn down a seven dollar teriyaki plate that's awesome so it's like um <laughs> so i can't say I no to a four dollar bond me i can't yeah. i just can't it's it's just tragic that 
I understand. It's a business. It's a business, right? Sure. <laughs> it's just criminal charging things like that when I can go somewhere else and I can purchase it. It's absolutely criminal. Criminal. Okay. I, I under look. I understand that you want to open your restaurant in Kirkland, and it, and you have to make overhead and whatnot. Sure. But you have to. I I just. I just don't believe in paying $10 for something when I can get it for $4 somewhere else. No, I, I, and I totally get that. I'm, I'm kind of just teasing you guys, but it was the whole, because I'm, I'm with you, the $20 croissant, probably not going to do that myself. I don't, I wouldn't appreciate it enough. Um, but I just thought it was pretty funny. Um, it's like, it's like movies, right? Like movies are just so overhyped and hyped. Everybody says it's so good. It's so good. So good. And then you end up, paying for it and people were like oh my gosh it's so delicious it's like it's worth the twenty dollars and then when you buy it when you buy it for the twenty dollars it's like yeah it's just a croissant yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, just, it's disappointing it's just a croissant just, I, was, I was waiting for that i was i, I had a feeling that you, that would come about so, so monica let's actually let's just stick with croissants for a sec. croissants for 200 um where's where's a Who's doing interesting things in the bakery space right now? Um, if we were just talking specifically about croissants, I'd say um, Sweet Nothings and More is a pop-up um, that's killing the game because of the innovative flavors. Um, and, you know, I think this week there's probably like a passion fruit matcha. I, I, I can't remember, but the Thai tea was delicious. Mm. Um, in terms of like an actual brick and mortar um, Susu dessert bar over in Chinatown. Um, I've known them since they started as street vendors doing rolled ice cream. Um, so opening a storefront meant that they could do more than rolled ice cream. In fact, they don't serve rolled ice cream right now because of the pandemic. Um, so they have a flurry of baked goods and they usually have one or two lunch specials. Um, Chef Fai is actually, he does a great job with Malaysian cuisine, which I'm not familiar with so I'm always looking forward to try some of his savory dishes lunch specials and but the but the pastries the pastries are fantastic so even one of the reasons I eat croissants is actually to measure the dough and the skill of the baker um, and, and so I'll often get a plain croissant for just that purpose and then I'll get some other fancy stuff um, just because you can make a croissant doesn't mean you know you can make you know, a donut or a cake. I mean, those those are all very different things and different techniques. Um, but Susu does a really great job. And um, they continue to innovate with specials every week. And I think that's what p- keeps people coming back for more. Okay. And Nelson, you've, you've been on record as a, as a burger fan. And, <laughs> I am a burger when we fan. Were, when, but before we do that, when we were talking on the phone, before we schedule all this, you, you mentioned some a late night pizza place that escapes me. There are two. Uh, okay. um, so Rocco's is the one that most people know about. They, After going on a night at the Crocodile or maybe they went to a John Mayer concert. I don't know. I just randomly threw out John Mayer. I'm just, but, <laughs> uh, anyway, so it, at the... At the uh, well, the pledge, the pledge arena. Now it's, I guess that's called. So, <laughs> the and, climate pledge and, arena. So yeah, the climate yes. pledge arena. I'm so bad with names. Pledge, Monica pledge knows. the household cleaner. You don't yeah, know. <laughs> I am pledge. terrible with names. So Monica <laughs> okay. always laughs at me about it. So anyway, 
whatever it is, it's always late at night, which is, it's either, hey, you want to go to Rocco's? I always ask my friends, like, let's go to Rocco's and we can get a slice of pizza. And they're just giant slices of pizza that you can get it from. Another place I also love is Breezy Town Pizza up in Beacon Hill. That's, <laughs> I think it's at like the nine o'clock bar or whatever it is. I don't know the name of it. It's, 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 it has that name. Breezy Town is this Chicago style pizza that is amazing. The pepperoni paint job is out of this world because they use pepperoni cups and it's just like pepperonis all over. Like you can't even see the cheese underneath it because there's so much pepperoni. And they have a sister restaurant called Windy City Pie that's, I believe, near Greenwood. Um, could be in Greenwood. I, I can't remember. Or Finney Ridge. I think it's around that mm-hmm. area. And so those two places, if you want pizza late at night, are amazing. So I think this episode has revealed a critical flaw in my idea of talking about food. Um when I realize I can't get any of these things, um, <laughs> they're not going to deliver. And if they do, it wouldn't be worth it. I just, I just realized that this is a critical flaw in my, mm-hmm. my thinking. Okay. But you also mentioned burgers, which I, pizza and burgers are kind of, you know, my son's affinity. That's, you know, the pepperoni paint job. I'm realizing I'm going to be taking him to Seattle and like, we're going to go have pizza, which is awesome. What about burgers? What's going on in the Seattle burger scene that you think is kind of interesting right now? There isn't anything that's interesting. I, I go what? back to. <laughs> Here's the Come thing. On. Okay, I, you want to <laughs> you want to be honest with Seattle? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think Seattle food scene is always behind. They're the zoon of the Seattle food of. They're the zoons, the Microsoft zoons of food. If you compare it to the rest of the country, okay. If you. <laughs> Hey, we have an iPod. That sounds great. Let's just do that. And then Microsoft wants to come in and just say, like, you know, we can do better. It's like we can we can we don't have to. We're going to reinvent the wheel and create our own. And that did not happen. And um, I guess it's relatable for the Xbox, too, versus the PS, the PlayStation. But uh, anyway, going back to things, it takes about a year to a year and a half for us to catch up with what other hip things are coming out from New York and California and whatnot. So um, I'll use, for example, matcha was a huge thing that was people were doing matcha, matcha, this matcha, that. And we didn't get something. We didn't get a restaurant or brick and mortar that specialized in matcha years ago, like two years. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying that matcha was like a long time. It was so long Mm -hmm. ago. But then they had Nana's green tea and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, have you ever tried this thing from Nana's? I was like, yes, we've tried it. It's in Hawaii. It's been in Hawaii for, We're for Asian. five, six we've years. We've tried matcha. We've tried yeah. matcha. We're Asian. And people was like, you got to try this new spot. It's like, it's not new. It's like, not new. Vancouver's Worldwide. had this for 10 years yeah. ago. I don't Worldwide. understand. So when you're asking me. Is, is there like some innovative burger that's been going on? Um, there isn't. There There isn't anything that's new. Uh, so I like to gravitate towards what's what's good and what's been tried and true around here. Okay. So Little Woody's is one of them. Katsu Burger I love because it's in Factoria. It's near me. And mm-hmm. 
they do, you know, just basically got huge giant katsu patties that they put in burger form with some nori fries and like a black sesame shake. I mean, that's different. It's it's yeah. it's different than a regular burger and fries mm. that you get from Red Robin. Mm-hmm. And okay. yeah. And there if you want standard burgers, uh Loretta's Northwesterner is a classic, but I think one of the things that and my dad found out like 15, I don't know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago was Red Mill. So I love okay. getting a Red Mill mm. burger it's like with their chili, their uh, green chili burger is one of my favorites to get from Red Mill with some onion rings. Always onion rings. Never get the fries. And it's like, I just never saw the nostalgia of dipping fries in ketchup. It's just, just get the onion rings. Okay. All right. Monica, how about you? What's, you're not burger and fries, but what's, what's, what's. What's inspiring you right now? <laughs> um, I agree with Nelson about the burgers. Mm-hmm. I, the, the most I can hope for with burgers is I like different kinds of meat. So the best place okay. for that is you need a burger. So I like lamb. I like bison. I like different kinds of meat um, to sort of spice things up a little, but totally agree with him. In terms of what's inspiring me lately, um, pastry always inspires me from the first episode on that's where my heart is. Um, I, I'm really interested in um, some of the new pop-ups that I haven't tried. So there's a couple of new pizza pop-ups that are happening. Um, so pizza for me, I'm not a deep dish fan. So, you know, Nelson and I agree to disagree on that. Um, I, I just. But that pepperoni could, paint job sounds amazing. You got to admit, that sounds amazing. Come on. <laughs> it, it, it sounds amazing, but deep dish just isn't my jam. I can get those pepperoni okay. cups somewhere else on something else. <laughs> And, okay. and, you know, not hating. I'm sure they do great. I, it's just not my style. And I think, I think the important thing about food is like, you know, I'll pay $20 for a croissant. I will. Mm-hmm. But if I don't like something, I'm definitely not paying for it. So like, I'm, right, right. you know, I mean, so I'm not one to spend money on food that I don't want to eat. So I'm less exploratory than Nelson. Like, okay. I won't be like, oh, I'm here. I'm going to try something new. I'm just like, I don't want to be disappointed because I get mad if I spend money and I'm disappointed. Um, so I just want to know that it's a, a good value, whether it's at a fast food place or a moderately priced place. Okay. Um. So, so yeah, it seems like there's a lot of um, bakers out right now. It, it seems in the last three months or so, that number has been increasing um, because I get contacted by a lot of them. And um, so I just think that's that's something that's been easy for people to slide into. Um, I'm, I'm really looking at um, places that are offering pantries. So like, for example, I went to dinner this weekend at Fiasco, which is one of my um, favorite places to go because they always had outdoor seating and they have a really great vibe. They have pizza and pasta, something for everyone in my family. And um, they have a really nice pantry where you can shop at. And that has like frozen sauces, fresh pasta for you to take to go. So you can just bring home and make Um, just, you know, ice cream and, you know, slushies, alcohol slushies. So all the things that you would need to grab and go to come home and just, you know, make it your convenience fresh. Um, prepared pastas is something that I have enjoyed during the pandemic. And so I think that um, that's really easy to travel and make on your own um, to maintain the integrity of it. So if somebody out there is making really great pasta and they're selling it for you to, to make it home, you know, you just boil it for a couple of minutes. And I'm telling you, like, I've had really great experiences. And so I, I'm actually loving a lot of the restaurants that are currently doing um, really easy, quick, tasty, prepared meals. Um, and that's an option we never really had before from restaurants. And you mentioned earlier the to-go cocktails. 
Yeah. And the, the, the state light lightening up on the regulations of that. Yeah. <clears throat> Who can either of you speak to who's doing interesting to go cocktails? Probably me. Probably okay. Okay. <laughs> okay um, so, so in general, I mean, I think what we saw in the beginning was uh, restaurants needed to unload their wine inventory. So often mm-hmm. they'd be offering 50% off fantastic bottles of wine. And some of them still are. Some of them are reaching the tail end of that inventory. Um, in terms of cocktails, the hardest part about a cocktail is, first of all, it seemed like a lot of restaurants the word wasn't getting out to all the restaurants that you could do that. Number one, um, number two, how are you going to package it in a way that's cost effective? Right. So um, you have restaurants that are doing the plastic bags, which are great because they're pretty cheap and, and, and pliable. Um, you have people who are doing mason jars, which I, I can't turn down a mason jar. I'll never have enough mason jars in my <laughs> life, folks. Um, and then you have people who had more innovative canning techniques who have actually purchased can- canners. So um, Agua Verde Cafe does fantastic prickly pear margaritas. And, you know, they do a 12 ounce can. It's so funny because when I pick some up, um, the manager there, Juan, was just like, so Monica, I don't want you to drink the whole can. And I'm all, what are you talking about? And he said, well, it's actually three cocktails. I'm all, really? It's only 12 ounces. He goes, no, no, it's a cocktail. Monica. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So now they have little cans they just came out with. And, and so that's one cocktail. Um, and let's see, who else is doing a really great job? Um, I think some of the best cocktail places really didn't go into the cocktail to go business. Right. I think cocktails are our hard sell when you're doing online ordering to go, um, you know, Nelson will say this too. Like I I'm, I'm okay to like drink a beer at home by myself, but like a cocktail, it, it, it kind of feels weird to drink a cocktail by myself, like Netflixing. <laughs> more, that's more of a social construct yeah, around it, it. Yeah. But it's been a really great option for really small gatherings or to have on a hand because I'm also not going to have all those ingredients. Right. Right. So if I want a great tasting cocktail, I'm not going to buy all that stuff to make it. And and so it's it's been an option. Um, And really, that's where most restaurants, when you go and have a steak, you know, you'll have, you know, one, two, three drinks, you know, get a Mm -hmm. bottle of wine. So that that was a tremendous hit for folks. Well, I just think I I found it to be kind of intriguing how you know alcohol in the car has been such a, a no-no right. as it should be i'm not i'm not trying to say yeah. no, but it's been such a no-no and now now you can get a ziploc bag and walk out and put it in the passenger seat it just seems a little um like hmm. and what i thought was at the very beginning of all this i was really thinking this is cool that people are trying to not just like close the doors and say forget it and walk away but trying to find ways of navigating and 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 being creative, I, mm-hmm. I, I, in all industries, not just the restaurant industry, I, I think it's great. And so the fact that you're saying that somebody's canning cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> would not have thought of that. And <laughs> nothing, you know, and so there's something that maybe moving forwards, a, a, a line that they'll have at their, their restaurant forever, maybe. And people will, you know, buy some canned cocktails to go. And if you're having friends over, and like you said, you don't have all the ingredients. It makes it kind of, and kind of novelty. Mm-hmm. And that if we're going to talk about that, then I'd like to talk about, you know, coffees and teas. And I don't know if we want to lump them together or if that's taboo, but what's going on. What's okay. There's a, a coffee company that's small in Seattle that everybody knows about. And you know, it's got a big building downtown and, I used to work for them and, um, and, uh, outside of that company, 
who's doing interesting coffee right now in Seattle? Well, you mentioned coffees and teas. Uh, one of the things I want to say and the observations that I've made is that boba and bubble tea seems like they are pandemic proof. Because really? <laughs> number one, I think it's Asian people and, and non-Asian people want to need a need a reason to get out. And so one okay. of the cheaper and easier things to do is to go out and get bubble tea, which is the Asian version of coffee, by the way, Asian version of the small coffee company that you mentioned. That's, mm-hmm. that's gotcha. how I compare it. So okay. um, getting bubble tea is just really easy. They can just meet up with friends and just, and then you can't, a lot of you, you can't even congregate inside other than picking up your order and ordering it. So you can just wait outside and there's, I don't know, loiter, right. I guess, outside of there. It's okay loiter, now, yeah, right loitering now. Loitering is encouraged, yeah. But okay. right now, the the hippest thing or the things, there's there's several coffee places that are doing Vietnamese coffee that is just so popular right now. And uh, right now there's Coffee Holic, Sip House, and those two are the ones that really stand out in my head. The newest one is Hello, M- Hello Eam Coffee, which is in... Uh, little Saigon and they're doing egg cream coffee, which, which I just had last week where they do um, a bitter espresso at the bottom. And then they do egg foam and egg cream, which is a Vietnamese egg coffee, traditional Vietnamese egg coffee. And if you go to coffee holic, coffee holic has uh, Vietnamese coffee. And I, I call it, I'm not going to call it that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and they have uh Vietnamese coffee in like smoothie form too as well that are amazing with there's a purple haze which they do which they do an ube drizzle on there ube is really big right now so they do that and those seems to be the it thing in terms of coffee why do you think Vietnamese coffee is so popular right now what is it I mean it's been around forever and why do you think it's and do you have an opinion as to why it's I think fashionable it, or, you I think know, trendy? it's mainstream. I think it's okay. mainstream for a lot of people. <clears throat> I, I think one of the best things that anything can happen is if you go in an Asian restaurant and you see non-Asians consuming there and, and venturing out and doing that. I think one of the best things I love doing is going to a 99 Ranch Market or a Yuaji Maya, and I see non-Asian people looking around and looking at all the different foods, and they're with their friends. And back then in high school, when, when I went with my, with my friends, because I lived in Issaquah, so it was okay. me and four other people that were Asian in my senior class. And three of those okay. were then the ESL class. So it's just two of us that were <laughs> Asian American. And now, and so we would take our friends to Wajimaya and they, they would look at all these, um, the super lemon candies that there's like, Oh my gosh, you can get them here. And they, they, they're just like wide eyed, bushy tailed looking through. And it's just, it's not, um, hostess cupcakes. And, uh, I don't know what else, uh, craft cheese you know it's just (laughs) but they're Uh looking through the aisle and it's awesome because they've never seen anything like that and they are willing to try those things like i said it's the knee syndrome right it's like i've been having cheese pizzas all this time but now it's like i can try something else and do that 
And I, I, I remember the first time I went to Wajamaya, I was in college. And so this was in the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. So, and I grew up in Tacoma and I went to college over in Ellensburg and, uh, a friend of mine um, was from Seattle and half Japanese, half, half American. And she took me to Wajamaya mm-hmm. and this is my memory of it. Look at all that ramen. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of ramen. But it's, that was all I, all my takeaway from Wajamaya was look at all that ramen. And I realized looking back mm-hmm. at how I probably was the, your niece. I wasn't, I wasn't going to try. And I did try. I mean, ultimately I did, but the point is I just, gravitated towards the one thing in that store that seemed comfortable to me, which was, I mean, college, I eat top ramen and look at all these different ramens. I didn't know that it mm-hmm. came in more than, I didn't know that it came in bowls at that time. Right. I mean, it was, <clears throat> it, so that was kind of my first Wajamaya experience was the ramen aisle and just being blown away by it. But at the same time, I think we had lunch there that day and I tried, I can't remember what I tried, but it was probably, chicken teriyaki or something. I mean, yeah. it really wasn't probably very venturesome, but um, no, I think that, but is, so you're saying that the Vietnamese coffees just kind of hit that mainstream tipping point where enough people are aware of it, that they're finding out that this is really quite good and I want more of it. Yeah. You just, uh, it's, okay. it's, it's beyond just going and getting a bowl of pho and Vietnamese co- and someone orders a Vietnamese coffee. Now you have these coffee shops that open up mm-hmm. and, right. and the same thing I, I like to, um, as I said, I mentioned I live in Issaquah, and one of the boba shops that opened is there's actually two boba shops that opened. There's a Share Tea and a Happy Lemon. And yep. pre pandemic, when people were able to walk in, I used to see these soccer moms with their kids, and they <laughs> and on a whim, I guess it's like a friend knows this place, and so they brought their kids there so they can meet up with their friends, and they had a bubble waffle, and and they were so surprised their kids love these bubble teas and granted because they're, there's sugar in them, but, <laughs> but yeah. these, these kids, they're, they're seven and eight year olds really like it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just doing right now, like 10 years ago, this wouldn't, this would have never happened. It's like right. it, the, the customers would be all Asian that would just walk in and there would be, but now you go in and there's people just come in and of all different colors and all different races. And they just, and they like to order an avocado mango green tea and, or mm-hmm. something like that. So, so right now, what's your, what's your go-to tea? What are you drinking? If like, mm-hmm. if you walked in right now, what would you order? If I walked in right now, there are so many boba spots that I like to go to. Uh, it's, it's the way I consume movies. I like to watch it once <clears throat> and then I'm good. And maybe I'll go back again. So uh, I love going to Happy Lemon is close to my house. So I go to there a lot. The, so what are you drinking at Happy Lemon? What's the, is there a, a regular one or are you going to just sit it's and try fruit on the in it? As long as it's <laughs> fruit. As long as it's, as fruit. Long as it's fruit. Monica fruity calls pebbles. me Monica calls me fruity pebbles because I love anything fruit. I'm not a big milk tea drinker, so I like to choose okay. the fruit teas. And I've I've gone through everything from the mango green tea to the strawberry black tea. Mm. So I just like to go through the entire menu and find out which okay. one I like. <laughs> Boba Lust, I think, is doing amazing stuff that that they're just creative drinks. And another place that I really like, and Monica knows about this is Boba Bar Seattle. And 
instead of the traditional boba or coconut jelly toppings, they do fruit bits in there. So they'll do pineapple bits or strawberry bits, lychee bits, and instead of lychee jelly. And they have really good flavor profile combinations there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, but if you want traditional, I would usually go to Young Tea, Seattle, out in the International District Chinatown area. I think Caroline, the owner, really takes puts a lot of effort into resourcing her teas. I mean, she imports teas from Taiwan specifically, and you can have different types of tea leaves that go with your milk tea. And I think mm-hmm. that's uh, outstanding. And it's, it's better than the general, than what most people are doing in, in terms of bubble tea shops. Mm-hmm. Monica, are you a tea drinker? Um, yeah, I'm a milk tea drinker and, okay. um, but, but Nelson definitely goes to more places than I do. Um, I'm lactose intolerant, so I actually try not to drink it very often, but I'm not a big fan of, of fruit teas, um, except on like summer days where it's warm and it needs something refreshing. I, um, I actually wanted to focus a little bit on coffee. I totally agree with Nelson about, uh, Vietnamese coffee, um, in, in the rising of that, but, I actually wanted to focus on some black businesses. So one of my favorite coffee spots is Boon Buna in Renton, which I almost almost never get there. But during the pandemic, what I've done is order beans from them um, because they have actually a pretty good shipping program. And so I drink the coffee at home and Ephraim. I I mean, what, what I think is great about Ephraim is, first of all, they're roasting. So if we talk about like how rare that is to have the infrastructure to do that, um, mm-hmm. like that's a game changer, number one. And number two, before pandemic and still even now, like the creation of a community space, right, where there's other things happening in this space besides just having coffee and pastries. And um, I also wanted to shout and Boon Buna, by the way, is going to open a Seattle location in uh, oh, First are. Hill. Um, they're taking okay. over the old Cherry Street Cafe spot um, near Seattle uh, University. Okay. And um, I also wanted to shout out Black Coffee Northwest. And one of the reasons I want to shout them out is not just that they're a black owned business. Um, they get their beans from Boon Buna. They partner with other black businesses like Zuri's Donuts to bring in um, to donuts in the morning. But they've actually been the victim of some really horrendous racism in the neighborhood. Um, and this is close to my house. And so it hits close to home. Um, but we have to do better. And um, we have to have more of a welcoming space for not just black owned businesses, but all BIPOC businesses and Mm -hmm. that it's hard enough to make it right now. But like having to repair um, broken windows or, you know, paint over vandalized walls um, and, you know, community support has been good. But clearly, like this is this is something that is ongoing. This isn't something that's happened to them once. Um, It has happened multiple times and they have a youth program and again, trying to create a safe space for folks. Um, And and so if folks can support, um, there's ways to do it, even if you can't go to the coffee shop. Like I've donated money to their GoFundMe before. And so that's that's just, I just want to highlight that. I'd heard that they had been vandalized once. I didn't realize it had been multiple times. we we had had a real early conversation with them about having them as a guest on an episode that just hasn't come together, which I'll circle back to them on that. I got to, I got to get a kick out of their, you know, their, their naming their, their menu. And so I sent yeah. my, my wife, um, my wife's son lives in shoreline. And so I sent her over there and I said, just order a Karen mm-hmm. and um, just please do and take a picture of it for me. And it was just, I kind of got a kick out of it. I just thought their naming, <laughs> but Boon Boona, I've been there, mm-hmm. uh, I'll be honest with you. When I walked in there, I went, how are they going to make it with this 
such a big space yeah. because it was so open, but yeah. super nice people. I, I, we were going to do the tea ceremony or not the tea ceremony, the coffee ceremony on a Saturday yes. and going, and we haven't, you know, gone back for that yet, but mm-hmm. that's something we're looking forward to doing. I think that'd be fun to get a, a group of people together, mm-hmm. go down there. I, I love what they're doing yeah, uh, as well. Sure. And Renton, you know, Renton needs love. So yeah. awesome. Well, let me, to, we'll go a little, off food, but let's circle back to your, your commentary here. Mm-hmm. What do you think can be done to help? Um, Cause you mentioned earlier, um, larger restaurants, maybe knowing what the, and I don't want to go to, I'm trying to be very not political here, but you know, right. you, you, <clears throat> so we're <clears throat> delicately walking here, eggshells, but you, you mentioned, and, and I concur with you is that um, larger, larger businesses may know a little bit ahead of time of what, what changes may be, yeah. may have been coming or things like that. So you have any recommendations on how these small, smaller companies, smaller getting running a business is hard, no matter what right. you're doing. Any, any, when you talk to people, what, what do people need? What are, what are you hearing that they need to hear? Um, above all, I mean, people need money. So if you can support a fund of some sort, like, you know, Chinatown has a, a business support fund that I've donated to a couple times. Um, they sort of source that out. Um, th- people need money, period. Um, if you can't give money, then I'm all about intentional spending of money. And if you heard of intentionalists, um, Laura Kleis, um does a fantastic job and has for many years, three or four years, um, about creating a space so people can intentionally spend the money to support the communities that they want. And and so she's out there. And so connecting with her, she networks a lot. Um, All in all, the biggest problem with businesses being able to be successful in terms of how I talk about it has to do with access to information. So, so like you said, you didn't want to be political. It's not political. If like folks don't know when a public meeting is going on and they can give comment or something important is being voted on that impacts their business or their taxes or their workers, you know, so, so it's knowing how to navigate systems. And so it's only by, you know, getting together with other businesses that you hear things. And so what I know is um, some of the groups in Chinatown, they even have like message groups on Facebook that they just talk to each other about what's working and what's not working. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, somebody hears something and tells everybody else. And and so we have to sort of revert to this word of mouth situation, right? I mean, because I'll be honest with you, like signing up for like agendas for public meetings is super boring. Like I do, I do, I do. It's, it's super boring. And it's, it's a lot when like you, you get up in the morning, you start work at six o'clock to open up your business and get everything ready. And then you're coming home nine o'clock at night and still trying to eat something, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot. So networking and trying to get to know people learning from other people. Um, A lot of smaller businesses are willing to mentor others. And so um, trying to make those connections Um, and really social media is difficult. And so if you can't run your own social media, then finding a way to ask people who come in to post for you so that it's advertising that up and runs itself. Um, I mm-hmm. tell businesses that all the time. I'm just like, you can't pay someone to pay your social media because I, I know you can't. So design your space so that people can take beautiful pictures and then they'll do that. Just make sure the light's right. Make sure they have a Instagrammable place to take pictures, you know? So well, that's, that that's a great, great. idea. Yeah. That's a great idea. But it, make it easy for the people who are... For, supporting the business to take that photograph and share it out. 
I mean, I'm looking at your Instagram, the Seattle Foodie Podcast, and you've got like 4,400 followers. If you took a picture of somebody's a meal at some place, you're, that's going out to that many people. Yeah. So that's awesome. I think it's um, constant exposure that really needs to happen because just like anything, the news cycle is so fast that, that it, it turns over so fast. And then all of a sudden they move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So if you can tell them, like, let's, let's say this, this place has been broken into several times and then there is a huge influx of mm-hmm. support for that time, for that week. Mm-hmm. And then, but three weeks later, people have forget, forgotten. So right. y- you need you need to have constant exposure. And um, like I said, like Monica said, um, posting things on a regular basis. It's it's just like a habit, just like going to the gym regularly, right? <laughs> it's like you you post something, and businesses need to post on the regular basis and and say like, hey, we're highlighting this, we're doing that. It's just, it just has to be on a daily or weekly basis that that it just needs to be back into the forefront of things. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Thank you. So we're about out of time. And not that we have a set clock, but we're respect everybody's time. I would like you guys to tell our audience where they can find you because you're doing some really cool stuff out there. They should hear it from you. So obviously we have our Seattle Foodie podcast that we produce and launch our episodes every Monday at five in the morning. So you can catch a new episode every week. I I don't know. Monica and I, we, we've never missed a week. It's it's probably the elementary school person in me where I like to get the uh, where I like to get the attendance award. So I've never done a senior skip day. So you will not miss an episode every week. And then we also have our individual Instagram accounts. So I'm Nelson Eats, and then Monica can introduce hers. Yeah, I think I'm most active on Instagram uh, at Moni B Seattle, and I do um, have two blogs, but usually I, I just push them through Instagram. So if folks wanted to read that, the link is probably the easiest way. Um, okay. And yes, yeah, so we, even with the podcast, we're most active on Instagram. I think things have changed a little bit during the pandemic in terms of how people's tolerance for how much information is out there <laughs> and what they're looking for. It has changed a little bit, so... And Monica uh, has her TikTok account. So if you want to see all her dance videos, all of her dance videos and <laughs> you can totally and all of her fun memes, you can go check out her TikTok account. Right. Nelson. False advertising. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> well, thank you both for being so gracious with your time. I really appreciate you both. This has been um well, I'm now I'm hungry. So <laughs> Me too. well done. And good because it's lunchtime because I got to eat too. <laughs> yeah, it's lunchtime. So um, anyway, go out and eat. And people in Seattle, make sure you check out the Seattle Foodie Podcast for great ideas. I've, you guys are a lot of fun to listen to. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.